Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need another chance to be who you want to be. Yeah, you say that things don't ever change. Hello everyone and welcome to a new direction. My name is Jay Izzo and it's an awesome day as it is every day that we get to do the show and I'm so privileged and honored to get to do it. And today's show is like no other show. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. People are going to love it and you're going to love it because there's going to be something for everyone in the show. I know every week I say the same thing. Man, it's a great show, but it is. It's always a great show because I have great guests and... I have great people, and if you're hearing stuff in the background, it's because my guest is still online, and so he's back there, and he's doing what he's doing, and uh, so we're going we're to have a great show, because I'm telling you, here's where I love the application that's going to happen in the show. As you know, here in the state of North Carolina, if, you know, wherever you're from, we have uh, gone through a, a major hurricane here, and so many people have lost so much and are in pain and they're hurt and they're angry and it's hard for them to overcome and understand what's going on. And so there's so much happening right now. And my guest today is going to be somebody who's going to, if, if you think you got problems, I'm just telling you uh, what he has overcome in his life will inspire you, will motivate you, and I promise will help you grow in ways that you never thought you would grow. But before I do that, we got to do what we do every single show that I do what I do, and that is I'm checking in with the four areas of your life, right? I believe that we are four-part people. We are physical people. We are mental people. We are emotional people, and we are spiritual people. And when any one of those areas of our life is out of whack, we're out of whack, right? You think of them as the as like four, the four legs of a chair or four legs of a table is a great example, right? If, if those things are out of balance, well, your food's going to slide off the table. If, if your table is so low, well, it's hard to eat off of a real low table. So you want your table to be the perfect height. And that's what these four areas of our life are, the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. So I'm going to check in with each area of your life on a scale of one to 10, all right, physically, how are you doing? Right? How's your diet? How's your exercise? Right? Are are you doing what you're supposed to do for your body? Right? Are you putting in the right foods? Are you eating the right things? On a scale of one to ten, one being you're miserable and awful and it can't get any worse, ten being it can't get any better. Where are you at in that scale? Are you three, four, five, six? Maybe you're seven or eight. Good for you. Right? Now remember the goal here is you know, I'm not trying to get you from a three to a ten. I'd like to see you just get from a 3 to a 3.5 or a 6 to a 6.5, wherever you're at. What are you going to do? What do you got to change to get yourself to grow to the next level? All right, you got that physically? How about mentally? Let's talk about the scale of 1 to 10 mentally. Where are you at mentally today? What are you feeding your mind with? What are you putting in your mind? Are you putting positive things in your mind? You know, part of the goal of this show is to help you mentally grow and be better. So if you're watching the show today, you're actually helping yourself mentally. So that's a good thing. But are you reading books? Are you maybe learning a new language? Or maybe learning a new instrument? All those things contribute to growing and expanding the knowledge of your mind. So how are you doing mentally, scale of 1 to 10? All right, how about emotionally? Right? And on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing emotionally? And the reason I'm asking you emotionally is because how well are you able to control your own emotions? You know, I am watching all of this political fallout, and I hate politics. Absolutely hate it. And you know why I hate it? It's because I'm watching people's emotional intelligence become a zero. They can't control their own emotions, and they start 
spewing out hate and hateful things to people. Matter of fact, I've literally seen people on social media say, if you're on this side of it, delete me now as a friend. Really? Over a political belief? You want to be deleted as a friend so that you can live in your own world where everybody's exactly like you because you don't want to have any differences? Do you know what that says about you emotionally? It says you're emotionally a zero. That's what it is. How are you going to build yourself up emotionally? Right? You've got to control those emotions. You've got to be able to tune in with others emotionally. Don't turn them off. Tune in. So how are you doing emotionally? And then finally, spiritually, where are you at on that scale of 1 to 10? Right? And you say, Jay, I don't believe in spiritual things. Trust me, you do. You just don't call them that. We all believe in something outside of ourselves. We have faith in something outside of ourselves. Sometimes it's faith in ourselves that we believe that has no no scientific rhyme or reason. There are so many things we cannot explain with science. There are so many things we can't explain with reason. And those are the spiritual things of this world that we connect to and connect ourselves to. If you believe in God, well then I'm going to ask you, how is that going for you? Have you been spending time in that relationship right, with God? If you believe in God, if you believe in money as a God, you may. You may believe that money is the answer to your, all your problems. You have faith in money. Well, how's that relationship going? And then you say to me, well, I don't believe in anything, Jay. I believe that, you know, I control my own destiny. Well, so then you've made yourself your own God. Okay, so how's that going for you? All right. Look at yourself in a scale of 1 to 10. How balanced are you? How low are you? Where are you at with all those things? All right, and and check in with yourself, and then ask yourself, what do you need to do to improve? And I'm telling you, your life will be better if you can do this a little bit each day. All right, so today's show. Before I get to my guests, I got to talk about today's show because today's show is brought to you today by the La Jolla Writers Conference. It's they've been a great sponsor of this show, by the way. Whether you're an aspiring author who has yet to put pen to paper, someone intent on writing a book. Or just to augment your business, a writer on the cusp of submitting to agents or someone who wants to know more about different and the ever-changing methods of the publication and publishing business. The La Jolla Writers Conference is a place for you. It is October 26th through 28th. It is at the Hyatt Regency La Jolla. I am telling you, uh, I know the people. Matter of fact, one of the people who was the founder of it, Antoinette Kurtz, was on the show last week. I am telling you. You do not want to miss this. There's going to be best-selling authors there. And by the way, all these people volunteer their time. And there's only 200 people allowed to come to this conference. And it's literally a 5 to 1 ratio of students to best-selling authors, publicists. And, and it is, it's an amazing, amazing event. So if you want to write better or if you want to make money writing or if you want to know about the publishing business or how to get your book going, I'm telling you, you do not want to miss the La Jolla Writers Conference because it's going to be something that is awesome. And again, it is October 26th through 28th. And that will be at the Hyatt Regency in La Jolla, California. And if you want more information, just go to LaJollaWritersConference.com. That's La Jolla. That's L-A-J-O-L-L-A. WritersConference.com, uh, and uh, I'm telling you, you do not want to miss that conference because it's uh, there's like 1,600 writers conferences. This is in the top 84 of writers conferences, and so you really want to do that. So let me introduce my next guest. My next guest is on a new direction, and and I we just before we go on the show, what you need to know is before we ever go on the show, I like to ask my guests, can I make sure I pronounce your name right? 
And so Sasha, right, which is easy. The Sasha part is easy for me, okay? It is the, uh, and and he said, and we've done this three times. Okay, you got to understand that I've pronounced his name three times. And so I'm going to go with Gorakov. All right, I think that's, did I say that right, Sasha? Gorakov? You, you did. Okay, awesome. So, so far, so good. And, and so, Sasha, that is the last time I'm saying Gorakov, and I'm saying just Sasha from here on out, okay? <laughs> because we're going to be friends by the end of this. But let me introduce you to Sasha Gorakov. Oh, I did say it one more time. Sasha was born uh, actually in a multicultural family in, in Western Europe, and then they came over to the United States. And uh, he, it, to, for me to say, and I'm, I'm going off script here because usually sometimes I just want to. For me to say that Sasha had a life that was both at the, it's both was rough and charmed and it was this combination of craziness is 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 really to say the least. So let me let me explain some of the things that were going on because when I explain to you all this stuff you're going to go what in the freaking world? So okay, so he was born with a disability known as spina bifida, but it was the severe kind where it's the open hole in the back part where you have to have surgery and so Whenever children have this particular this particular disease, what happens is there many of them are expected not to walk, much less you know live. That if you thought and, and if that would be enough, okay, that would be enough for anybody to go, okay, well that's pretty severe, right? Well, that's not the only thing. So he had hydrocephalus and he had what was called what we call the Arnold Chiari two syndrome. And basically what that is, that's fluid on the brain. And it typically, from a psychology perspective, just to kind of give you a little perspective of that, when you have this type of fluid on the brain, this particular hydrocephalus, what happens is you're expected not to have very much cognitive functioning. Matter of fact, you're probably not able to think, write, speak. Uh, it, it affects a number of things. Okay, so, so you've got spina bifida. You have fluid on the brain. And then, oh, by the way, did I mention that, that that he was diagnosed with kidney failure when he was young? Did I mention that? Oh, I didn't mention that piece. Okay. Well, then let me tell you the other part, okay? His dad is this tremendous business person that he travels around with and does all sorts of things. And by the age of 16, his dad dies, which is tragic enough. And then his mom, evidently, his mom was diagnosed with borderline narcissistic personality disorder. If you don't know what that is, being one who was in a forensic psychology for a while uh, as an intern, I'm just telling you that it is borderline personality, narcissistic personality disorder is one of those diseases that is, you, 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 these people, these people are very difficult to not only live with, but to live with themselves, to say the least. And many of them, you will find, have live a life uh, sometimes of crime, uh, very difficult time living a very normal life, and they're very difficult on their children and the rest of the family because they're almost impossible to deal with. They're always see- seeking attention. They're uh, constantly. They'll sometimes cut on themselves. They will do all sorts of things and. Because of the narcissistic component of the borderline personality disorder, what happens is they crave all the attention at the expense of everybody else around them. So it is a very, it's a very, very difficult disease to work with. And if you are a child of that type of a parent, it's it's extraordinarily difficult. So 
And I'm just giving you, I'm just giving this is the baseline of Sasha here, okay? But there's another side to the story. He's, uh, he's overcome every bit of it. All those things that I just said, forget that they ever existed. Well, you can't, but the truth of the matter is he's overcome every one of those. And he has this amazing message. And so while I have all these people who are listening and all these people who are watching and who are, who are with me today, this, this new direction today that we're going to do this show is really if you're in a place where you think that it's over, I'm just telling you it's not over, and we're going to have a conversation with Sasha. So, Sasha, welcome to A New Direction. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Jay. And Sasha, you know, before I go too much further, too, I need to I need to point out that uh, to everybody too that Sasha has a new book. Uh, the book is called "The Leadership Journey for the New Millennials: Turning Tragedy uh, into Triumph." And uh, I see that um, everything got fixed. So, uh, and uh, by the way, it's available Kindle, hardcover, paperback as well. And again, the title is called "The Leadership Journey for the, the New Millennials: Turning Tragedy into Triumph." But I am going to tell you that when you read when you read this book that Sasha has written as well as with his wife um, has kind of co-authored this a little bit too in Gemma and I, I believe that what you will find is that this isn't just for millennials this is for I don't care how old you are I, I this is for anybody of any age the story's incredible it's a real true story and overcoming it so Sasha I'm gonna I'm gonna start out this way because I actually when I told somebody about that you're gonna be on the show they had a question, and so I'm going to ask the, the, the question immediately because a friend of mine wanted to know, how does someone who has gone through the spina bifida, the hydrocephalus, the, 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 you know, the parents, and all this, how, do you, how did you stay motivated to keep going? You know, I think, I mean... As a human being, I had low days, obviously. I'm not going to deny that, deny that in any way. But uh, for me, it was always, I had a vision. Uh, what kept me alive was the spiritual part, the vision of seeing what it could be like, you know, what, uh, not listening to the doctors. In fact, very early on, I asked them to be removed. And when I had my own say, I removed them myself because I didn't want to hear their message of death, doom, and uh, misery. And I decided to focus on happiness, joy, life, and everything that when I was a kid that a kid would do, a teenager would do, a young man would do, or a man would do, whatever I could imagine that would be like when I was a kid or a teenager. And I decided I would never, ever, ever quit. And I promised that to myself until I would see that vision realized in uh, everyday life. So, so I know that you were... You know, I know the spina bifida thing. You were you were little, little though, right? I mean, you were a little boy. I was a very well. I was born with the open back, um, the, and the minute they saw that in the hospital in 1978, uh, they literally brought me, drove me over as fast as they could to the children's hospital, gotcha. um, which was on the other side of town where I was born, incidentally, and they had to close my back. They used uh, skin from my thighs uh, and the thighs, and they put it all over the hole, put it all back, right. to put the sack that literally allowed me to live. The nerves were all around the sack, fine sack, and right. they were able to preserve that while we were while they drove over to the other hospital, and put it back inside and said, "Well, good luck in life. We will never be able to open it again because if we do, we cut your nerves." 
Um, and the outlook is pretty grim and pretty negative. I mean, statistically, they, they, these children die before the age of seven. They never walk. They're mentally challenged. And they really have very little support um, as the medical field has more or less given up on them. They, in fact, they call me a miracle and that's it. And the subject is closed. So let me ask you a question here. So because I think I read, I, I, I either read it or I heard you say it, but you, <laughs> you, you play golf and you ski. Is that true? Yes, that is true. So when I was about... I okay. think eight, nine years old, I I had kidneys of a 90-year-old man at that time, mainly due to the catheters I have to use to go to the bathroom. Um, also, because I had hundreds of UTIs in my life uh, when I was young, and that was the one thing that determined that could kill me as a kid, all these uh, UTIs. And so I was eight, nine years old. I had kidneys of a 90-year-old man. They They'd predicted death, uh, transplant dialysis and death before the age of 18. And that was the time I decided, well, I could either wait until the roof falls on my head, which is unlikely where I grew up in Switzerland, as we do not have any earthquakes, sure. or I could just start living and say, you know what, I'm just going to live the life I decide to do to live. And that's when I decided I would go skiing, mountain biking, um, do all kinds of stuff, um, golfing as well. Um and just by mastering it in a slightly different way that you would be taught in, uh, normally, I decided that I would first learn that it would be wise to learn how to fall. As <laughs> If I fall on my back, as, my, as the nerves are just protected by a thin layer of skin, right. I always knew that a sharp object in my back, well, that would potentially, in a best-case scenario, put me in a wheelchair. Worst right. case, I would die. Right. So I had to prevent to fall on my back. So I would just learn... For instance, skiing, um, skateboarding, or mountain biking, I would learn of how to fall left, right, forward, but not backwards. Golfing, I would find a movement. I mean, very, very early on, I would send the teacher who was loving and very kind to teach it to me, but how he would teach it to healthy people, I said, doesn't work. And I taught it to myself in a movement that you would call incorrect in golfing terms, but it does work very well. Right. And just how I just circumvented the limitations to allow myself to have the life I always wanted. That's that's that's. So I I, I heard this right. I, I saw you in an interview uh, with a doctor, and I was so fascinated by the by the fact that you were you first learned how to fall. I loved that, and I thought that was just so cool. Uh, by the way, we're talking, and I see we got more people joining us on. Uh, Facebook Live, and by the way, if you are somebody who wants to join us on Facebook Live, uh, Facebook, our Facebook address is very easy. It is andfb.com, A-N-D, that's a new direction, fbfacebook.com, and that takes you right to our page, and you can watch previous shows if that's something you'd like to do, and we always welcome them. I see that, um, uh, of course, Gemma uh, is with us. It's Sasha's wife, and also Joelle is with us, who is a regular uh, contributor to the show. I call her contributor because she always has something great to say. And we're talking with Sasha Gorakov, and I'm just going to call him Sasha, okay? Because I'm going to I'm going to mess that name up. But anyway, we're talking about with Sasha, who has overcome so many. I don't. I I want to say disabilities, but they're not. They were. I want to call them hurdles, physical hurdles 
mental emotional hurdles that you have been able to overcome, one of which was spina bifida, the other which is hydrocephalus, uh, the other it was bad kidneys, the other was having uh, a parent who, by the way, committed suicide uh, and, and was also borderline narcissistic personality disorder. And yet, we have this person who has this amazingly positive attitude. And I'm blown away, Sasha, when I have people who have gone through so much in their life, and as you have, right? And you don't feel sorry for yourself. I, I, everything I have read, whether it's the book or whether it's an interview I saw online, you don't feel sorry for yourself. Matter of fact, how have you... When, when did that light bulb come on for you where... It was, okay, life is going to be a challenge. It's not something I'm going to feel sorry for myself about. When, when did that, how did that happen? Well, I think it's deeply ingrained in my personality um, because, I mean, you mentioned my father, uh, but he was also a very um, strict person. He always expected the very, 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 very best. And if you couldn't deliver the very, very best, well, you were just simply not good enough. So I always, I kind of, found it in myself always to 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 always you know as i tell people there is a fine line between victim and victory and that's just a couple of letters and i chose victory and i also chose to look at all the people you know instead of crying over myself and how bad it is and whatnot i always chose to look at how lucky i am in life um, because i happened to be born in the right place that it allowed me to survive and have to have find myself the tools to thrive, I happen to, there's so many people that are unfortunately and sadly worse off than I, but then so who would I be to complain about what happened to me? You know, I always chose to see the positives and how good it is. And I saw challenges as a means to grow and as really blessings in disguise, because if you find a way through them, out of them, you'll come out of them a different person and a, I would say, stronger person mentally, uh, spiritually, emotionally, and, and physically. So, you, you took something from the beginning of my show, didn't you, <laughs> didn't you, Sasha? <laughs> so, so let me let me ask you, uh, what what if you're not the person who feels like they they don't have that personality? Like, you know, you said, well, I think it's part of my personality that I was able to have that light bulb moment of being able to go from victim to victor. How do how do people who don't feel like they have that personality, how would you inspire them or motivate them to say, okay, I know what you're going through. This is this is might might be something that you should do in order to help get you over or through that hurdle. Well, you know, I actually work with people to help them do that exactly because I fundamentally believe that everyone can do it with the right tools. And I always chose, I mean, you uh, you said before that the word disabled is not appropriate. I, in fact, um, took a distance to the word disabled and I preferred saying differently abled because mm. I believe we're all differently abled. And if we can use our uniqueness uh, and develop our uniqueness, meaning our unique skills, our un unique personality traits, and combine them to the best possible outcome, then we can. It only it doesn't only benefit ourselves massively, but it benefits everyone. Because I that was one of my first earliest insights. You know, when everybody was trying to make me believe that I'm different, separate, and all of this, I figured I'm actually not. 
different and are not separate. We're all actually one. We're all one. Everybody in the world, we're all just one. But we all have our uniqueness and we need to learn to develop this uniqueness, find it, develop it and contribute it to the whole. Because then it's when we're really going to be going to be happy if we can contribute that to to the most amount of people, you know, make the world a better place. So so I think what I'm hearing you say is that and, and I agree with you, by the way, is that we're all given a set of skills and abilities and there's some innate pieces of ourselves and that makes us special makes us unique that's why there's no two fingerprints that are that are exactly alike in the world right or even two toe prints by the way that are exactly alike and but there's a whole bunch of uniqueness and unique things and is it is it kind of getting to the point do you think where you kind of understand clearly what those things are because i think people get lost and thinking that they're really not special or they're really not unique. Don't, do you find that to be true where people just don't think they're all that special, but they really are? Uh, yeah, I find that to be true. And, you know, I mean, I think society has contributed to that to some some great extent because everybody needed to be fitted into a box somehow, you know, into a box, into studies, box, into a job, box, everywhere. There were boxes everywhere. And what I've learned is to actually break through those boxes and and throw them away and unlearn the versus mentality, you know, that you have to compete, co- compete. I'd rather like collaboration mm-hmm. uh, than competition. Um, I'd rather like teamwork than solitary work, for instance. And I think it's really the first part is to really unlearn those boxes that we've all been pushed into so that so somehow we could all look the same, be the same, or have have the same, but we really don't want to be, have, or do the same. We're all unique, we, and we need to, I feel that to move into the next part of our journey uh, as humanity, we need to really develop our unique skills and contribute them to everyone, what I call the whole. I mean, being, being to the whole humanity, being into the whole ecosystem, being it at all, everything. Yeah. And that's how I think we will be coming together and make elevate the world uh, and be and find happiness because we'll be truly who we are. And we're talking with Sasha Grok up here on a new direction with me, Jay Izzo, and we our show today is brought to you by who else but the La Jolla Writers Conference, which is going to be October twenty sixth through twenty eighth at the La Jolla Regency at Hyatt Regency in La Jolla, California. Each year since two thousand one, strategies literally develop literary development and PR. Uh, otherwise known, if you want to find them at strategiespr.com, produces the La Jolla Writers Conference. It is a labor of love for them. They pay it forward, gathering, teaching the art, craft, and business of writing to aspiring writers of all levels. So even if you're just thinking about writing a book, the conference is non-commercial and formal and intimate with a maximum of 200 attendees. The entire faculty and staff, including the best-selling authors, publishers, agents, screenwriters, writing and PR experts are all volunteers and are available all weekend providing over 70 classes from which to choose. The classes include lectures, an interactive group, and individual read and critiques. The La Jolla Writers Conference was among the first conferences to address the business of writing in response to the changes in the publishing industry. In a field of over 1,600 conferences, Writers Digest named the La Jolla Writers Conference one of the 84 conferences worth your 
money. You can sign up online by going over to www.lahoyawritersconference.com. That is La Jolla, L-A-J-O-L-L-A, writersconference.com. And they're bringing us today Sasha Gorakov, who is... And I, and I promised that I was not going to say the name, but actually I'm getting better at it, so I'm feeling more comfortable with this, Sasha, saying your last name. And I want to I want to talk to you about what you just said, because you said, you know, you prefer uh, you, you 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 prefer collaboration versus competition, and you you and and. I got to tell you, I, I'm I'm a guy who thrives on competition. I really am. I love. I've always been competitive. I love competition. I loved playing sports, competitive sports, because it was one of the things I enjoyed doing. Matter of fact, I miss it. I miss playing competitive sports because it was just something I enjoyed. I like competing against myself. I like finding ways to improve against myself, and I love that self competition because it makes it just makes me better. Um, as a, how do you balance that between, because I don't think competition is a bad thing because it, it, it challenges me, man. I want to get better every day and I know I'm in a competition with myself to go, you know, yesterday was good, but today I'm going to be better. And so it's, it's, I'm always competing against me. How do you balance competition with collaboration? So what I'm hearing and what you're telling me is there is nothing uh, bad. In fact, self what you're telling me is that you enjoy self-development and self-growth. And that's very good because that's how you grow in all the four aspects that you've mentioned at the beginning of the show, which were physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. But when you were playing with your teammates, you were collaborating. Uh, I think that if you compete or you expect yourself to be better every day that's healthy because that keeps you from regressing but i i think that there in this part there doesn't need to be a loser if we collaborate together we can all be winners and all be better better off and i think that we need to move away from this if i win there needs to be a, a loser mentality because that doesn't need to be that way necessarily so so okay, so I love this discussion, right? Because I'm, an, I'm, I love this because I'm a horrible loser. Okay, I mean, like if my wife and I play Monopoly, I am the worst loser in the world. Okay, if she beats, and by the way, she has won every Monopoly game we've ever played together. Everyone, we've been married for 20 years. I have never beaten her Monopoly once. Okay, and and I and I am horrible. <laughs> I am a horrible loser. But and and I've always been, by the way, I've always been a bad loser. But I do enjoy I enjoy the competition. I love the heat of battle. I do I, I mean I like it, Sasha. I like the battle. I like the war. I like the you know, that there's a winner and a loser. I mean I enjoy that. How do you how do you get around cause to me, if everybody gets a ribbon, nobody wins. Right? And 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 I just feel like that 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 can't be. So help me help me try help try to put that all into perspective. Well, you know, I think that's exactly what we've been trained to do is to compete, um, and that's also why some people, as you said, some people lose. And I think that if we looked at exactly well, what happens if 
it's not people losing, but it's the planet that's losing at our expense because we think we're winning, we're enriching ourselves so much. And there's nothing bad about making money. I mean, in fact, making money is a wonderful thing. Sure. Uh, if you enjoy it, um, other people enjoy other things, and that's fine too. But if it's at the expense of a big enough number, which means that we're all losing. I mean, if the planet, for instance, turns against us, we're all losing. Even though some of us think we're so much winning, we're all going to be losing. And so I think that the way you feel when you lose um, is a choice. And that's what I mentioned in my book as well. First of all, we need to take back our, our, our willingness and the capacity to choose. Because, I mean, since we were born, choices were made for us. Our parents made choices, school made choices, society made choices. But really to take back our choice to respond and to be responsible. Feeling miserable when you lose is a choice. Feeling happy for the challenge or feeling happy for the winner is a choice as well. So you always have that choice. And But often we're on autopilot and we forget that we can actually choose our responses, our responsibility, and that we can choose about uh, everything, in fact, and how we treat others and how we treat our environment and how we, how we talk to each other. And I think also the choice of li living your life the way you want it. And you asked that sure. earlier. I early on made a choice that this life was mine to live. And it is not, I'm not living the doctor's choice, which is death. I'm not sure. living my mother's choice, which is destroying me. I'm not living my father's choice, who is having almost unreasonable expectations about being the best mm -hmm. um, and disregarding some of my limitations. Right. I chose to live the life how I envision it and the best way I could possibly live it because I refused to quit. Which, which, by the way, when you, when you, I mean, this is what I find so interesting, is that you, you, because you are competitive, because you refuse to quit. I mean, you have to. There is on some level, right, inside you that you go, I'm, I'm going to compete in this world because I'm not going to quit because, because quitters can't compete, right? I mean, I mean, when I, when I think about it, you know. You know, God rest my father. All right. I mean, my 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 dad. You know, my dad. You know, he was he was he was a, he was really a good dad. Okay, and he did absolutely everything that he could do for us. Was he perfect? No, but he was really a great dad. And um, he, but at towards the end of his life, he didn't want to live anymore. He 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 quit. He, did, he didn't want to compete in life. And then I hear you saying, you've got all these things going on. You had all this stuff going on. And you're going, no, I'm not quitting. I don't care if I got spina bifida. I don't care if I got water on the brain. I don't care if people say that my kidneys are failing. I don't care that my mom committed suicide. I don't care that she was a narcissistic, borderline personality disorder. I don't care about any of those things. I'm not quitting Man, Sasha, that sounds like competition, man, to me. Let me make uh, so here is what I can tell you. So, I am I am compete. I'm not competing against others. I right. am. I made a commitment to myself right. that I would not let these things rule my life and not right. let them kill me, and that I would not let any pain or disability or whatever kill me. I'm not. I am not putting others down. I refuse right. to put others down. I, I am actually extending my hand to as many people as I possibly sure. can to sure. elevate them. If you, if you, if 
for me, if it would if it would be competition in the strongest sense, if you take if you go a few years back, um, once my mother had committed suicide, I mean, I had a plan laid out, and that was really it was working well. But again, it was a plan with myself only. And I met Gemma at the time, who was a victim of domestic abuse. She's been beaten, put down, and she was raped for 15 years. And she, we happened to have met in a chance encounter. And I chose to to extend my hand to her and elevate her and say, I can help you with everything I went through. You don't have to be down. I can help you. I, I can bring you up. So when you talk about competition, it's about, for me, I think the word competition is is not appropriate it's it is a mixture between self-assessment and self-compassion meaning that i self-assess often and say okay this is seriously where you've done not good this is where you've done good um with myself and where i've where you've done no good well how can we improve that for tomorrow so that's for me rather self-improvement and self-development but i don't necessarily go heads on like two balls fighting with somebody (laughs) else in competition because i don't um, I wish to pe- I wish people to be elevated and not being put down. And so that's I even did my best to never put my mother down in any sure. way. I mean, she was the way she was, but I did my best to not do it and just talk about the facts mm-hmm. and not add any about my own opinion about it. Just say how my life was when I talk about it, how her behavior affected me. And that's what's just a fact because there is no need to put other people down. No, no, no. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on this. I, I don't think there's anything that comes good of putting someone else down. And by the way, you know, I don't know how much you pay attention to social media or not, but you know, with the re, I hate politics, Sasha, because I don't think politics does anything good for anybody. I believe it separates people. I don't believe that it actually brings people together. I that's that's my personal belief. Because I believe that uh, it's just. Politics is just, especially now, is just one of the most divisive tools that we have in this country to separate people into distinct groups who will never talk to each other because of their political beliefs. Okay, and and I believe that that is such a huge separation. And I don't. And I believe that you're right. And I believe that we actually all have a responsibility to help other people. I, I believe that. I, be, I believe that is part of our responsibility as being a human being. And, you know, you talked about reaching down, right, to help somebody up. And I think that's an appropriate analogy, reaching down, because it is hard for people to get up on their own. It, it's just difficult. It is just difficult for people to get up on their own. It usually takes another person to help bring someone up, right? And, but... But we're, but aren't we inherently selfish, Sasha? I think we are inherently wired to survive. You know, I think our brain, well, it hasn't really evolved for some parts, and it's still a fight-or-flight response. But I think that through compassion and mindfulness, we can overcome the automatic responses of our brain and reach our hands out to others, you know, which doesn't mean you should completely and utterly deplete yourself for others, which just means you help elevate somebody else or other people, you know. Uh, If you can help them because you have something that they would need to, to elevate themselves or because you have the skills or the knowledge, I think it is our... It is necessary that we do so um, to help them help others. I mean, for me, it was always a no-brainer 
to help Gemma. I mean, right. and at that time, there was no nothing on my behalf, anything that could have said that she may have, that she became my future wife. That was not, that was not even the topic at that time. But it was obvious for me that I had all that knowledge about how to overcome abuse and how to overcome adversity. So when I met her in a chance encounter, I could reach out my hand to her and say, look, I may have all the answer or some of the answer. Right. And uh, I, I, I want there is no need for you to stay in that situation right. if th there is a way out. And I, I have parts of the answer or maybe all of the answer. You will tell me that one day if it will be all or parts. Sure. But I think it's our responsibility to do that, you know, if we can. No, I, 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 no, I completely agree with you. I, I think there's another piece in this. And I think you, you didn't say the word, but you actually said it. And that is we have to be intentional. Yes. So I think I think one of the things is that sometimes we go, well, if I have to be intentional, then it's not coming naturally from me. But I don't think there's anything wrong with intentionally saying, okay, I'm going to intentionally go out of my way to help someone. Even if it's not in even if it's not something I'm feeling at that time. And I think this is the problem with emotion. And, and I'd love to hear your response to this, is that sometimes our emotions lie to us because I can do things, and, and I love choice because I love choice behavior. I can do things that I don't feel, and, and they can be the right thing to do. So I may not feel like helping someone else, but I can make a choice still to help someone even though I don't feel like it. Yes, absolutely. And I think you also can make a choice. I believe strongly that you can make a choice to help yourself, you know, and that's, I believe, a choice I've made. I take a, I often talk to people who tell them that. I mean, I'm currently based in L.A. Uh, you, L.A. traffic is no secret for anyone, and it's very, very, very bad. But I mean, yes. you know that before you step in your car. Sure. So when you're in your car, uh, uh, flipping off people and screaming at people <laughs> that who can they cannot even hear you while you do that in your car is a choice you don't need to make because right. it's first going to kill you and you <laughs> scream out all this negative energy out of everybody and that is a real choice i mean and anyways it's no surprise if you tell me you live in la and you're surprised with traffic then <laughs> probably we should ask the question why are you lying to yourself because you're not and right. so you know and that's good that brings me to what i was going to say i realized when i work with people that the first thing we need to detect is all the possible ways that are they're functioning on autopilot and that they're actually lying to themselves you know nobody likes to hear that they're lying to themselves but somewhere along the line they've built in what modes of life ways of thinking uh, t ways of doing things that are actually not helpful to themselves and to anyone else. So I think that first about it's about detecting them and those those mechanisms, bringing choice back into their lives, and then working on a big, big one, and that's forgiveness. Because I mean, when we come into this world, we we have parents. Some some of us are lucky to have great parents. Some of us didn't. Um, some of us had a life, had a Beverly Hills kind of life. Some sure. of us didn't. And I think it's really that forgiveness that you have to forgive your parents, your environment, society for every all of those choices that have been made for you, for all those beliefs that have been put into you that didn't serve you sure. because you can't let them go if you don't forgive. 
and you have to forgive yourself. Sure. And that is a very compassionate process. You know, we hear so much these days in personal development of forgiveness. Yeah, just forgive yourself and move on. I don't believe that this is feasible. I think you have, it is a very, you have to treat yourself very gently and it is a process to forgive. It can't just be, the decision to forgive can be done instantly, but then it's a process Mm. that will set you free. Wow. And I forgave my mother. I forgave the disability. I forgave the doctors. Mm. I forgave all of them so that I could be free and move on. Right. Yeah. By the way, we're talking to Sasha Gorakov. He is author of... Uh, a great book that you're you're going to want to read. It's called The Leadership Journey for the New Millennials: Turning Tragedy into Triumph. And uh, it's it's by the way, it's not just for millennials; it's for anybody. It, his story is uh, absolutely uh, phenomenal, and uh, you're going to you're going to want you're, you're not first of all the, when you first read everything that's happened in his life, you're going to go, "There's no way that has happened to everybody," and then to, to one person, and then when you get past it, you're going to go. Okay. Okay. How does how did he get past it? And he's he's talking us through uh, many of his core principles that he that he has um, managed to make it through this incredible life from spina bifida to hydrocephalus to uh, kidney failure to uh, you know mom who committed suicide, dad dies at 16, a mom who was a narcissistic person, uh, borderline personality disorder. So uh, yeah, I mean we're talking with him and and uh, and it, 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 you're gonna love this is just a great interview um, and we're being brought to you by the way today by the La Jolla Writers Conference in La Jolla California and it happens to be that that's not real far from where Sasha lives and so whether you're an aspiring author who has yet to put pen to paper or someone intent on writing a book to augment your business a writer on the cusp of submitting to agents or someone who wants to know more about different and the ever developing and evolving and changing book publishing world, the La Jolla Writers Conference is a place that you need to be, and that is October 26th through 28th at the Hyatt Regency, La Jolla, California. And I'm telling you, you're going to want to go to this conference. This conference is great for writers of every stage. If you think you know writing, I'm telling you, you have no idea about this business. This business is a crazy business, and it's a hard business, and it's not simply just putting some pen to paper. You want to do it right. And I'm telling you, the La Jolla Writers Conference, October 26th through 28th, is the perfect place for you. And, Sasha, so I want to go back to this because you talk about how we lie to ourselves. And I think that is a really, really important concept. That we, <laughs> you, the, I have an acronym for denial, all right? D-E-N-I-A-L. It's down, it stands for don't even know I am lying. Right, because I think we are so—I think we're so much in denial about what we do, what we say, what we believe, what we think of ourselves, how we think of other people. I really do believe we're lying to ourselves, and I don't think—and I know, I know this from my psychological background. I know that we don't also realize how much of our behavior is automatic. Meaning that we just go on autopilot, and you said this, we just go on autopilot. We don't, I don't believe that we really realize how much we go on autopilot, and we, I think we do it more frequently than what we believe. This denial piece, you know, lying to yourself, how do you, how would you say to someone, you know, this is how I would help you get through your own denial? What would you, what would you say? Well, 
But I've, I've, I actually listen to them very carefully. So we have long conversations and then I actually listen, you know, with intent uh, to find and pinpoint all the things they're saying on autopilot because that's just a conversation like we're having right now and detect them and say, well, and I challenge their beliefs, you know, mm-hmm. saying, is that a universally accepted truth, you know, mm-hmm. like gravity okay everybody believes in gravity it's proven it's universally accepted but what you're saying is that a universally accepted truth or is that could it be different you know because so many people say go like oh this is the way it is or this is the way it has always been done and i go really you know that's the kind of things i would i would catch and say is that a universally accepted truth can you argue that everybody believes that this is true well if it doesn't then it is not a universally accepted truth is it even true for yourself you know, so it takes a lot of digging and it puts people in an uncomfortable situation, but they quickly grow and they quickly see the value of this. Because, I mean, it would have done for me, for instance, for my life, it would have done no good whatsoever to deny uh, the disability. Sure. That would have probably led me to death. I never denied it. I know it's there. I know it's limitations. I know the physical pain. I know I'm not denying that I need to use catheters to go to the bathroom. Now, as it lies out on the open, what can be done right. as I was lucky enough to walk and to have all my mental faculties that I shouldn't have had, which allowed me to go to best schools and uh, ranked in the, on the planet, financial times ranked. But I mean, from there, what now as the facts lie open, what can be done to make it better? Mm-hmm. And I think we need to look at those facts first, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I no, I think we do. I, I, I'm, you know, I think sometimes, you know, we have to be, I think we kind of, I, I agree with you. What has to happen is we have to kind of, what, what it, what it, I'm not a big Freud fan, but the truth is sometimes we have to bring things into the light. And sometimes our own denial needs to be brought into the light. And, 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 and by the way, I think it plays hand in hand with the next thing that you said, and that is... Once we have certain things brought into the light, then we need to work on the forgiveness piece. And, you know, this has been a constant theme. The different authors that I have talked to on this show, one of the things that has been consistent has been this the idea that forgiveness is part of the healing process, uh, regardless of what's happened, regardless of the abuse, regardless of whatever has happened in your life, it's you have to forgive and 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 you're right and and by the way what you said about forgiveness i think is also accurate and that is forgiveness is not just okay i forgive you and move on it, it no 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 there forgiveness i think you're is is this process that okay you do make the statement i'm going to forgive this person but then you have to work through the rest of it to say you know, I'm going to release them from hurting me anymore. And I, I, I think that's the hardest part of that forgiveness process, but I think it's so necessary, and I think we underestimate it. Why do you think we underestimate the power of forgiveness as part of the healing process? You know, I think it is, has to do with our egos. We always want to be right. Uh, we always think that uh, we are better. And I think that's a trick that our mind is playing that served us well to survive when we were cavemen and cavewomen, but no longer. Um, I think that it is important to bring this 
darkness into the light, you know, mm. and bring those imperfections into the light and mm. bring all these lies into the light because only there, that's where they can be healed and addressed. And then it's not to see challenges as something so terribly bad. I mean, we all have challenges sure. and they can be opportunities, you know, uh, they can be real opportunities to, and something good comes out of them often. Mm. But I believe that it is hard for us because we live in a world, you know, with the celebrities and to some extent social media uh, where if we portray ourselves as being perfect in a perfect world uh, where nothing can be ever imperfect. And that's not true. We hide behind those. We Society is teaching us to hide behind those images. Um, mm. I think that we have to embrace forgiveness, uh, embrace uh, others, because if we come from a position of ego that we're always right and we're the best and we're the most beautiful, I mean, nothing ever changes and the, the world will get worse and divisions will get worse, whether it be politics or elsewhere. Um, we have to admit, we have to learn to admit when we are wrong and learn to forgive others when they have are wrong or have wronged us. And sometimes we wrong ourselves with our own behavior for far too long. No, I... I love that because I think that's absolutely true. You, you know, I think we live uh, in, a, in a world, at least today, I'm, I'm watching this world, where the word forgiveness is one that is becoming something that is a word that no one wants to hear, right? We, you, you, if you, I mean, think about it. If you're on one political side or the other, you can't forgive that person. For that, you cannot forgive the person for the way they voted. How dare you vote this way? How dare you vote that way? How dare you be for this person? Or how dare you agree with this policy? And so, what we do is, you you can't forgive them. We we live in a society of unforgiveness. If people do something wrong, they need to permanently put, be punished. We want them to never have a life again. I mean. Sasha, this is the part of society that really is starting to really get on my nerves, is that we are literally saying we don't want to hear forgiveness anymore. We, we, want, we want punishment. So if you've done something wrong, we don't want you we, don't, we want you to be punished and not only punished once, we want you to be punished to the point of death. I mean, that's literally what we're seeing. And so, I mean, I mean, do you not agree that that's kind of where we're seeing society head, though? We have unfortunately become to a point where this is a problem, and that's why I'm so big on forgiveness. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, what I want to, I just want to make sure everybody understands. Forgiveness is not excuse an excuse mm. inexcusable behavior. Beautiful. But it's forgiving, you know. And yeah. forgiveness is not forgetting because if you forget. Uh, then you're open to have it happen again in your life. We should never forget some of the horrendous things that happen every day and that sure. have happened in the human history. But in order to free ourselves uh, of the weight, because it binds not only us and it keeps not only us from advancing, but also the others, we need to learn to forgive what has happened. And again, that doesn't mean excuse it. And that doesn't mean forget it. And I think that's where most people get it wrong and they say, well, we should just forget what he, she, it or society or whenever or has done. No, we shouldn't forget it. We should forgive it mm -hmm. so that we can all move on and build a better future No, I, where we can all be part of that future, you know.
I, and I so agree with you. And, you know, I think, and this, I, this is such a full circle conversation, Sasha, because what ends up happening is our emotions just get in the way again, right? Because we literally, we literally behave because our emotions are on autopilot. I mean, I loved your example. Listen, when you go to LA, if anybody's ever been to Los Angeles, you know what that traffic's going to be like. You just you just know. And so for you to get in your car and you're screaming, yelling, throwing up the middle finger at everybody around, and when they can't hear you, by the way, is simply the most ridiculous thing that you could ever do in, in your life. Because it, it, here we are back to the emotional part of us where we're saying, well, this is the way I feel, so therefore if I feel this way, it must be right. But that's not true, Sasha, right? I mean, just because you feel that way doesn't make it true. I, I don't. I'm not disregarding your feelings, but that doesn't mean that your feelings are right. And that's exactly what I'm saying. When people, for instance, with feeling, that's what I was saying earlier. That's when I have this discussion with people and say, "Well, is your feeling or what you believe right being a universally accepted truth? You know, right. Uh, right. like a law." And you can, and very early on, or later, if people really are keen on lying to themselves for a long time, they come to the point and say, it's no, it's just me. Right. So can it be different? And if it can be different, can we find common ground? And again, I'm not saying you should excuse bad behavior. Right. I don't think you should forget bad behavior. I think if you've done something criminal, well, that's why we have laws in, right. in, in, our, in our country, that, and you should be punished for that. But again, you should be able to forgive. And you say, right. as you said about LA traffic, I mean, I know so many people who leave for their appointments just on time to get there, but they know they're going to lose an hour or two in traffic. So then just leave earlier. I mean, if you right. really think you're going to get to that appointment on time, right. then somewhere to some extent you're lying to yourself. And where then where are you lying elsewhere in your life you know right, right, right and that's why i say it's looking at it and putting it into the light because if you put things into the light they can be healed transmuted and worked on and so you can elevate yourself and when you elevate yourself you automatically that impacts your environment you know even if you don't reach your hand out to somebody else if you elevate yourself through your behavior through the way you handle others through the way you are with others it will impact others it must mm -hmm. And I agree with you. By the way, we're talking with Sasha Gorakoff, uh, author of the book, by the way, and don't let the title mislead you, the, the Leadership Journey for the New Millennials, Turning Tragedy into Triumph. It's, a, it's his personal life story as well as a guide, if you will, to really overcoming whatever's going on in your world. If you feel like you've got stuff, like your life is like on borderline of I can't go on anymore, trust me, you want to read this book because... I'm telling you, if anybody had an excuse to say, you know what, I'm done here, Sasha had the excuse, and he chose a different path. And I think that's really important is the choice that you make, because I think that's really what this book really resonates with me, is that he made choices uh, along the line, and those choices changed his life, and and choices can change your life as well. And, you know, I think, Sasha, I'm, I'm just going to piggyback on something that you said, you know, I think sometimes we feel that forgiveness is a feeling, but forgiveness is a behavior, not a feeling, right? And before that, it is a choice. Right, right, absolutely. Right, 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 sure, sure. It is it is a choice. And 
I, I totally agree. I think, I think Sasha, I think it is that we don't realize how much power we have when it comes to choice. I really don't think we believe that. I, I think we believe, I, I honestly believe that people think they are helpless, that they don't have as many choices as they really do. Don't you think? I, I believe that to be completely true, and that's why I absolutely wanted to mention choice and how it has impacted my life and how it can impact other people's lives in, in that book, because I think we've been we've been content, we've been put on autopilot, but we've also been content with being on autopilot for far too long, although it's it's deserving us in every possible way. And I think that's why we have to learn to get back our choice because nobody ever tells us that not no school no course ever tells us that you have to choose for yourself again so we never realize that since we're born we were not trained to choose for ourselves as our parents made our choice society made our choice we were told what's right or wrong in our society what's socially acceptable what's not socially acceptable how you are meant to behave how you're supposed right. to look on social media what you're supposed to say what not say how you're supposed to dress but all of this has been ingrained into us. But where is our capacity to choose? You know, maybe you do. Maybe you don't have to wear uh, suits and ties everywhere you go. Maybe right. you don't. Maybe long hair for a man is okay. You know, right. uh, it's it's, and that's why I, I help people and point out that in fact, where are they choosing? How often per day are you right. making a conscious, intentional choice? Right and. And you know, you know, Sasha. I think this is really. I, I really love this conversation. I, I love this conversation on choice because I feel like the news media and the commercials and even TV make it sound like we don't have a choice. Like you're a victim. You realize that, right? You're a victim, and be, as long and if you, as a victim. You have to stay this way. You you can't be better because if you're, you have to stay a victim. And I believe that we, I believe that our society actually wants us to be victims. I mean, that's the way I kind of look at the news. I believe that the news kind of perpetuates the victim mentality. Do, do you kind of get that sense that uh, our society is trying to you know, keep us victims somewhat? You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, because if I may, you just, may just read to you just the very first paragraph about the principle of choice in my book. It says, the power to choose is among the greatest powers we have as living souls. Too often, however, many of us give up that power. Giving up our power to choose is a tremendous disaster. That is when we get hijacked by what other people would like us to be doing. All of a sudden, without notice, we find ourselves remotely controlled by the desires of other people, and we start going to great lengths to please those people, even if what we're doing, saying, or defending clearly goes against what is good for us yeah. or against what we think and feel is right. And right. that's written, that's the first paragraph about this principle in the book. And I think that that's exactly what you're saying. It is a tremendous disaster. And when we reclaim our choice back, the freedom to choose, we reclaim our freedom mm. because the power to choose is freedom because you, you are no victim unless you accept that you're a victim. Wow. You know, no matter how bad your situation is. Okay. You can always compare and say, okay, I'm not like the guy, you know, like, right. I, I mean, whatever. I mean, if, if you are if you are born in poverty, you could say, I'm not like Beverly Hills people, and that's why it's against me. But, you know, it, studies have proven that people who 
by all intents and purposes, who have everything, they're not happy either. <laughs> so it must come. From, it must come from somewhere else, you know. Yeah. And and I. I, I, I like what Jim Carrey has said, the actor, said he wishes everybody to be famous and to realize their dreams and then they would realize that this is not what it's about. Right. And I think that it's about, it's re, what it's really about is about reclaiming that freedom to make your own choices and to decide for yourself who you, who you decide to be. I could have decided to be, you know what, I'm dead by the age of 17. You're right. I'm mentally challenged. I'm highly disabled. Doctors, you're all completely right. That could have been my choice. I refused to make that choice. And I said, you know what? The least I see you people, the best I am. I'm not saying doctors are bad. Right. I love doctors. They're doing a tremendous good job in many fields. They have helped many people, whether they be classically trained doctors or holistic doctors, natu sure. naturopaths, everyone, you know, everybody is valuable with their, through their uniqueness. But I could have made that choice, and that choice would have had disastrous consequences on my life, I believe. But and that's why I choose differently. I chose what I wanted in my life and how I chose to live it. And I think people need to do that. You know, even as impossible it may seem, there is always a way. Mm. Wow, that's 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 food right there. That's food for the soul, ladies and gentlemen. I have been spending. By the way, by the way, Sasha, we've spent over an hour together. I can't. I, I could. I could sit here and talk to you for another hour. Yeah, the same for me, and it's been nothing but joy to be with you. It, this has been so much fun, and we have been with Sasha Gorakov, who, by the way, has an amazing story. It, and you need to just go look up, look up Sasha. And um, I'm going to give Sasha an opportunity here to talk more about himself, and of course his. But uh, the leadership journey for the new millennials turning tragedy into triumph available in Amazon bookstores near you just ask for it it's not a millennial book okay so if you're saying oh i got to be young and that's the only people no 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 no. the book is for anybody i'm just telling you i don't care if it's your life it's your business or your career sausage sasha's message is really about what you can do to change where you're at right now and uh, help find a new direction in your life and which this show is about and Sasha has so kindly done that and he has been brought to you today by the La Jolla Writers Conference and that is October 26th through 28th at the Hyatt Regency La Jolla uh, whether you're an aspiring author who has yet to post uh, put pen to paper or someone intent on writing a book to augment your business a writer on the cusp of submitting to agents or someone who wants to know more about this different and ever challenging evolving and difficult method of publishing the La Jolla Writers Conference is the place for you it is October 26th through 28th you can find them at LaJollaWritersConference.com La Jolla is spelled L-A-J-O-L-L-A -L -L -A. so before I let you go Sasha you know one of the things I ask my guests every single show is I, I say okay um, give the people who are listening because you know I am so blessed and fortunate to have a show that has basically been exploding month after month. And I am so grateful for that. I am I'm so grateful to iHeartRadio that you know now has taken the show on and of course iTunes and all the different Spotify, all the different places. And so people get to listen to the show over and over and over again. And some people, you know, can it, the show is gonna be around forever, right? Because it's gonna be on all these digital platforms forever. So you have an opportunity here, Sasha, to say something to help people find a new direction that basically is going to go on forever. 
So if you could, if you could give me a small statement of something that will help people find a new direction in their life or their career or their business that will go on forever, what would be, what would be the final words of Sasha Gorakov? Well, I would say this, being a victim or being a victor or being or not being the person who you, that, that you want to be or being that person is feasible. Never give up hope. And there is a way. And that way leads through making a choice about who you want to be. And that will be the beginning of a new journey for you. Mm, that's beautiful. Sasha, how, do, how should people get a hold of you if they want to find more information? Well, they can get me on info at sashagorokov.com or on www.sashagorokov.com. And I believe that Gemma is adding that in the comment section right now. Uh, oh, cool. So she's going to add that in the comment section. And then she, and then I will – yeah, perfect. And then what I will do is um, – thanks, Gemma, for doing that. And what I will do is I will also post all that information on jizzo.com. And by the way, uh, Sasha is going to be episode 15. So if you're wondering, well, what episode was the Sasha episode going to be? Well, it's episode 15, and that'll go up tomorrow on the podcast. And you'll be able to re-listen to this on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere else. And I will post all of Sasha's information, how to get a hold of the book, and there'll be a direct link to get a hold of the book, how to get a hold of him, and email him as well. And Sasha, I, I, I think I can safely say that you respond you respond to everyone, right? Well, I, I, I want, you know, my aim is to elevate the highest number of people. You know, if sure. my message can, that's why I wrote this book in the first place. When I sat down writing the book and everything I do is, it is for other people. It is for it to take a life on its own. Yeah. And if my message can help people and inspire people and give hope to people and elevate them, and if my training with them can do the same, well, you know what? I think that is the that is the best that could have come out of all the challenges that I've went through in my entire life, and that would have made it all worth it. That's awesome, Sasha Gorakov. By the way, awesome, awesome. I, my friend. And I, can I call you friend? Is it okay to call yeah, you friend? Of course, of course, we're um, friends. Yeah, I, I want to call you friend because I've enjoyed this more than you could know. And uh, and so did I. And uh, so, my friend, thank you so much for being on A New Direction. And um, and so as we get ready to sign off here, I want to say, everybody, you've been listening to A New Direction. And Sasha Gorokov has been my guest, and he has been outstanding. And I'm telling you, if you're looking for a new direction in your life, he's going to be just one of those other people that can inspire you to a new level and help you find your new direction in your life. Because it's hard to get into momentum if you're stuck. But Sasha has a message that will help you not only get unstuck, but help you get started on momentum that one step at a time. So, folks, as I always tell you every week, thank you again for joining the show. And remember, be inspired, because when you're inspired, you can inspire other people. And when you inspire other people, you don't know what the possibilities can be. But I promise you, you'll help them find a new direction. And I will talk to you very, very, very soon. See ya. Dreams will take you
Direction.